Colleen Seaton. I'm a Golden Group Director in Sunrider from Phoenix, Arizona, and I've been in Sunrider about nine years now. I'd like to start my meeting today with a kind of a long quote from uh, the John Robbins' new book called Reclaiming Our Health, and I think this is so appropriate to get us in the mood for understanding our immune system. It's called Reclaiming Our Health, and it's a story kind of based on a parable that I have had in, in my possession for a lot of years, and I love the way he did it. It starts out, Once upon a time there was a large and rich country where people kept falling over a steep cliff. They'd fall to the bottom and be injured, sometimes quite seriously, and many of them died. The nation's medical establishment responded to the situation by positioning at the base of the cliff the most sophisticated and expensive ambulance fleet ever developed, which would immediately rush those who had fallen to modern hospitals that were equipped with the latest technological wizardry. No expense was too great, they said, when people's health was at stake. Now, it happened that occurred to certain people that another possibility would be to erect a fence at the top of the cliff. When they voiced the idea, however, they found themselves ignored. The ambulance drivers were not particularly keen on the idea, nor were the people who manufactured the ambulances, nor those who made their living and enjoyed prestige in the hospital industry. The medical authorities explained patiently that the problem was far, too more, far more complex than people realized, that while building a fence might seem like an interesting idea, it was actually far from practical and that health was too important to be left in the hands of people who were not experts. Leave it to us, they said, for with enough money we'll soon be able to genetically engineer people who do not bruise or become injured from such falls. So no fences were built, and as time passed, this nation found itself spending an ever-increasing amount of its financial resources on hospitals and high-tech medical equipment. In fact, it came to spend far more money on medical services than any nation had ever done in the history of the world, money that could have gone to community services, decent housing, education, and good food was not available to the people, for it was be being spent on ambulances and hospitals. As the cost of treating people kept rising, growing numbers of people could not afford medical care, and there were increasing numbers of homeless and even more hungry people and families torn apart by distress. As a result of these and similar misallocations of national energy and resources, violence, gangs, and inner-city riots welled up as outlets for the frustration and the despair that people felt. The more people kept falling off the cliff, the more a sense of urgency and tension developed, and the more of the country's money was poured into the heroic search for the drug that could be given to those who had fallen to cure their injuries. When some people pointed out how fruitless the search had been thus far and questioned whether a cure ever would be found, the industry answered with a massive public relations campaign showing men in white coats holding the broken bodies of children who had fallen pleading, don't quit on us now, we're almost there. When a few families who had lost loved ones tried to erect warning signs at the top of the cliff, they were arrested for trespassing. And when some of the more enlightened physicians began to say that the medical authorities should publicly warn people that falling off that cliff was dangerous, representatives from powerful industries denounced them as health police. A fierce battle ensued, and finally, after many compromises, the medical establishment did issue warnings. 
anyone, they said, who had already broken both arms and both legs in previous falls should exercise the most caution when falling. Of course, this is just a fable. Now, this is still John Robbins talking. He said, like most people in our society, I grew up believing in medicine. I grew up believing that health comes from the doctor, the drugstore, and the hospital. I never suspected that illness might be a messenger or that our experiences of our body, whether well or ill, could provide us with self-understanding. I did not know I could create a lifestyle that would support the radiant health of my body, my mind, and my spirit. I did not understand that choices I made in the way I lived could make a tremendous difference to the quality of life I experienced. I never imagined that the source of true healing lay within me. Over the years, I have come to realize that while doctors and medical technology have an important role to play in healthcare, they do not hold the ultimate secrets to health. Our medical establishment's fixation on drugs, surgery, and other high-tech interventions at the expense of low-cost preventative approaches is perhaps most evident in its failure to fully appreciate the important role of nutrition in health. A board member of the Ohio Dietetic Association recently said, a hospital is one of the few places in the U.S. where a person can starve to death unnoticed. The average U.S. physician in four years of medical school only gets two hours of coursework in nutrition. Only 25% of all the accredited medical schools in the country have a single required course in nutrition. And meanwhile, McDonald's is opening up franchises in the hospitals. I really like that. So, you know, being able to understand the basics of the immune system and support it has a very special importance. If you're one of those rare people that never violate any of nature's laws, which means you always provide a wide array of system-specific quality nutrients on a continuous basis to your body, you keep a totally balanced lifestyle, which includes avoiding all unnatural foods and drinks, exercise and rest appropriately, and you keep your stress under control, you might as well just send this tape back because your immune system will probably do its job adequately. However, if, like most of us, you violate any of these basic laws on a pretty regular basis, you will have trouble with your immune system working properly because the body has very strict priorities of where it sends its available energies, and immunity is a pretty low man on the body's totem pole. This is evidenced by the fact that we're seeing people who have been sick for years and years and years. Have you ever seen anyone whose heart wasn't beating for years or someone who wasn't breathing for years? You see, these are the kind of things that are top priority, and our body takes care of those. Under stress, And this can include so many things, lack of nutrition, strenuous physical, mental, or even emotional efforts, unnatural foods in the body. Well, under these kind of stresses, the immune system is one of the first things that gets cut off or goes without nutrients or or help. So we really need to know how we can support that immune system. And there's basically two ways that you can look at this whole process. It's the Western philosophy and the Eastern philosophy of health and disease. Western philosophy, which is basically what what we do in the United States, Western philosophy looks at our society and, and says, 
our immune system, our natural immune system, isn't working, period. We need to take over and intervene on our body's behalf. The Eastern philosophy, or Chinese, took a totally different approach. They said when it seemed to not be working or doing its job, why isn't it? Why not? What they discovered was that if it's not working, it's because it doesn't have the right foods or the nutrients to do that job. Well, how simple and how effective. Find the foods that feed the immune system and eat them. And not just when you're feeling weak or ill. You eat them regularly because you want to prevent illness, not do battle with it. I love Dr. Dean Black's analogy of the Western versus Eastern philosophies. He likens the Eastern to be being a coach of a prize fighter. You know, our job is to prepare, to strengthen, to condition our fighter with everything we have in our power. We make sure we get adequate rest and nutrition and exercise, everything we know possible to support our defense, and then we go and stand in the corner as our fighter does the fighting or as our immune system handles its job. And he likens the Western concept of di to disease being a street mugger, and we are the helpless victim. And medicine is the cop that's going to step in and save us or intervene on our behalf. The obvious drawback to this is that this is all going on as a, at a microscopic level. Before we would ever detect it and would be able to, to get in there and intervene, it would have had to advance from a street mugger to a full-scale insurrection. And you'd have to be at the doctors all day doing tests, trying to figure out what was going on, what was, you know, what was happening. But most of us have been taught to let someone else be in charge of our bodies and, and that we couldn't possibly know what to do. In the Western premise, your body isn't fighting for you, so your doctor has to take over the battle. So in this kind of battle, the first thing the doctor has to do is identify the enemy. Well, there's parasites, and there's virus, and there's bacteria, and do you know how many there are to battle? You would literally have to be able to identify and do battle with millions upon millions of different microscopic entities. And then you have to know how to use your poison to kill them. And unfortunately, they don't come out of our body to let us poison them. They're in there. And there's no way to poison them and leave your body unharmed. Well, let's look at just a couple of the enemy to show you what you need to get started doing. The first one let's look at is botulism. And most people have heard of that. It's a type of bacteria. It's really scary because one four hundred thousandths of an ounce could kill millions of people and one of the reasons that it is so scary is because it doubles itself every 20 minutes you know most of us networks have heard that information about the penny that doubles every day for 35 days and at the end of 35 days it turns into a one-third of a billion dollars well that's really seems astounding but then take that and compare that to if the botulism is doubling every 20 minutes, how quickly it could overcome our body. Well, you know, as fast as that is, an immune system in full strength is even faster. Um, let's take one parasite, uh, the malaria parasite. It's a single-cell parasite, and it affects, affects over 150 million people worldwide. It's very, very deadly, and it hosts on our red blood cells.
The symptoms include very quickly chills, fever, weakness, and death. And unless your immune system is strong enough to fight it, you will succumb. And then the most devious, and this is blamed for so much today, it's the virus. You know, what a virus is, is a protein-covered bundle of genes that contain information or instructions for making identical copies. Technically, they're not even alive because they cannot reproduce themselves. What a virus does is it slips into another cell and starts issuing orders using our cell's reproductive system to produce more virus. Eventually, it takes over a cell, destroying the cell, and then as it dissolves, the cell dissolves, this virus fans out to destroy other cells. The virus creates thousands and thousands of copies within a single cell. You know, I may have a naive perspective of things, but it seems to me that if Creator wanted us to be monitoring all of this, we would have been issued microscopes for our eyes so we could be watching and doing this. Now, I just named three that are, that are scary and, and something we'd need to deal with. Can you imagine trying to identify all of these and fight them? I want to tell you a story now about a woman in our group that when we met her, she was on the liver transplant list at Bethesda, Maryland Military Hospital. She told me while we were talking several times that that was where they took the president if he needed to go to the hospital. So she was really under the impression she was getting the very best medicine had to offer. And what they told her were virus were attacking her liver. They had her on 3 million units of the medicine that was replacing her immune system, and the virus was still winning. Um, they had to stop the medicine at the time we met her because it was also killing her. And she was in Tucson saying goodbye to her mom. I tried to explain to her that virus can't attack because attack indicates that they, all the virus have collectively got together and devised a plan for, for instance, Let's wait until the liver is busy with some detoxing work. We'll sneak up this blood vessel and we will pounce. Well, see, a virus is not capable of collective, sophisticated military strategy. Virus don't attack, they inhabit. A real good analogy for this is, is if you have a filthy city. Rats can survive in a filthy city because the conditions are conducive to their survival. Virus can survive in weakened tissue where no immune system there is there to nip them in the bud. See, virus, bacteria, and parasites are everywhere. They do not attack, but they can survive when three conditions are met. Number one, they can only get a foothold in unhealthy tissue. The tissues have to be weakened for them to be able to, to get in and start you know, producing themselves. Number two, they have to have a continuous garbage supply to eat. And I'm going to quote from the Tao of the Forgotten Foods written by a man named Stephen Chang. He says, quote, the foods we commonly eat and love are also eaten and loved by the germs in our body. Fortunately, herbs do not nourish germs and human beings equally. Human beings exercising their willpower are able to ingest sometimes distasteful herbs. Germs, not being blessed with this power, are simply repelled by herbs. When human blood is permeated with herbal nutrients, and you know, I love that phrase, when human blood is permeated with herbal nutrients, 
the germs in the body will starve to death, and the human body will be naturally cleansed and purified. The cleansing and purifying qualities that allow herbs to last for years without rotting are the greatest benefits to be gained from herbal diets. You see, this purification and cleansing is such an important part of keeping the work of the immune system manageable and under control. And the number three that has to be present is there has to be no defense system to stop them from proliferating. So what's our answer to keeping our body healthy? It's eating healthy foods so that we have strong tissues and eating foods that allow the body to cleanse internally. Number two, we have to stop putting that garbage in our body. And number three, keeping our immune system strong. By the way, this woman, after she started eating Sunrider, within the month went back to her doctors, and they were totally stymied. One of her doctors said, what are you doing? And she didn't really want to tell them Sunrider. She was afraid they would say something negative, possibly, or, or you know, whatever. And so she said, uh, lots of good home cooking. And he said, no, no way. What are you doing? And she wouldn't say anything. But they, she is off the, the list for the liver transplant. She is off her medication. And she left the country with the military because now she was fit to travel. So she's over in Turkey. So let's get started. One of the concepts that's very important to actually identifying and, and understanding your immune system is it is important to remember that we all started out as a sperm joining with an egg, creating one cell, and that cell began duplicating to the point of approximately 75 trillion cells later, we're in our whole body, each cell having different jobs, but all of them pieces of one another. It's an incredible connection in the body. Well, one out of every hundred or so cells is an immune system cell. You know, that's quite an army. That's like having a policeman for every 99 people. And when your first cell was created, it had a tag or an identifier. It's made out of protein, and what they've named it is Major Histocompatibility Complex. We'll just call it MHC like they do for short. And that MHC is totally unique to you, like a fingerprint. It tells all of your cells, especially the immune system cells, that you're to be left alone. You're one of us. Now, an antigen, A-N-T-I-G-E-N, is a name given to any foreign entity in our body. Anything that doesn't have our body-specific MHC is an antigen to the body. Does the body recognize this threat or antigen? Of course. Could someone move into your family's house without you knowing they're there? It's never a fact that the body doesn't recognize the threat. It's always a case of having or not having the ability to handle it. Our immune systems in America are so overworked for most of us because they're taking care of crimes that we have committed on our body ourselves. And that number one thing is the undigestible fake food that we put in day in, day out. And pretty soon crimes start going unreported, and then they start going unopposed. So if you pull out diagram one, I think it'll really help to kind of follow along and, and follow the flow chart of how this works. At the very top it says white blood cells. 
those are our immune system cells. They are born mainly in the bone marrow, and basically they can be divided into two distinct categories. On the left is phagocytes, and on the right it says lymphocytes. We're going to talk about the phagocytes first. They're the first line of defense, or I kind of think of them like the pawns in a chess game that go up front first. The root word, P-H-A-G, means to eat, and that's what they do. Anything that comes along that doesn't have an MHC tag that indicates it's our cell is devoured. They're not choosy. They eat anything that looks suspicious, and they travel through the whole body in, in the blood and the tissues just eating. In the lungs, they eat particles of dust before they get pulled into the body and other pollutants, and they can actually clean up pollutants of cigarette smoking, only if you quit smoking, however. Zygocytes now, if you look down, they come in two distinct kinds. The first one is called neutrophils. The bone marrow can pump out like 100 billion of those a day. They live a few days and then they die off. But during an infection or under stress, the body can, can pull those out way higher. The, the numbers can just skyrocket. Each one of those neutrophils can eat about 25 times their own weight before they die. Can you imagine ever losing a battle or a war if you could supply an endless number of soldiers at any given time, anywhere you needed them, and each soldier could kill 25 of the enemy before it died? Well, the second one, second kind of macrophages, are, or the second kind of phagocytes are called macrophages, and these are the backup to the neutrophils. Macrophage means big eater. They're stronger, more hardy, and they can eat more. Each one of them can eat up to 100 times their weight. They always respond to the same way to invaders. They eat them. But the macrophages have a very unique ability that neutrophils don't have. If the problem is looking like it might be getting out of hand or out of control and that the macrophages feel like they can't eat that much, they, they can pull off a coated piece of the antigen or the invader and they display it on the outside of their membrane like a captured banner. This displayed flag is what calls the second phase, or what I call the big guns, into the battle. These are called the lymphocytes. You know what I, I kind of imagine in our bodies is macrophages with stolen codes, you know, going around. It's like in New York City on New Year's Eve trying to catch a cab. I imagine these macrophages holding up their coats going, excuse me, excuse me, I need some help. But there's so much in a body that's overrun that a lot of times there's not enough help to come. But let's start now with the lymphocytes. There's two categories of lymphocytes, T cells and B cells. A macrophage with a stolen code displayed alerts a very specialized class of the lymphocytes called the T cells. Now, T cells, again, manufactured in the bone marrow, but after they're born, they go directly to the thymus. This is a, a pale gray gland that sits behind the breastbone right above the heart, and the T in T cells stands for thymus. As the T cells live in the thymus, they're basically kind of going to enemy identification school. 
each cell is programmed to recognize the specific invader. And can you imagine that job? Nature itself creates antigens in hundreds of millions of varieties. And the thymus must turn out T cells to recognize each one. And you know, scientists have even created artificial antigens in the lab and introduced them. And there was a T cell to handle them. And they figure these antigens that there were created were never encountered in millions of years of evolution. And you kind of wonder how it would know. Well, the thymus pumps out specialized T cells by the millions. And so diligent are these little guys that even healthy cells that are transplanted from one body to another are quickly identified as foreigners and they're destroyed. That's why doctors, when you have a transplant, the doctors have to give immune suppression drugs to keep the body from rejection. And that sounds like a really scary solution, that, that they would have to shut down your immune system for you to have that organ in you. And to me, it sounds like uh, medically induced AIDS. Um, scary. But I'd like to tell you a little bit more about the thymus. When you're born, until you reach puberty, the thymus is the most active. And at about age 12, it begins to rapidly atrophy. So you'd have to kind of assume that nature intended for us to have our army set up for life by that time. Because we're supposed to have passed on acquired immunity that came from our parents and they from their parents on back. But what if your parents intentionally or unintentionally broke the laws of nature and their immune systems were compromised. Well then when we were young our immune system during those formative years would have a lot of catching up to do and a lot of work to do so that we could have protection for the rest of our lives. But what if as children our parents intentionally or unintentionally did not supply us with those nutrients that could fuel that system and bring it back to operating properly. And by the way which nutrients are those? All I can say is thank goodness for Dr. Chen for 5,000 years of research and Sunrider Foods. Well, what if your parents didn't understand the need for your body to go through this process and to build up this immunity, and every time a challenge came up, you were given medicine to substitute for the immune system, so it never did have the chance to build the army you needed. You know, we're seeing the results of this happening in the United States and the fact that the cancer leukemia has risen to the number one killer of our children shows what the result of an ineffective immune system is. Well, back to the thymus. A pre-T cell, before it's ready to be sent out into the body to do its work, has to be the head of the class to even get a job. It has to be able to recognize a specific antigen, and it also has to be receptive to our own cells, MHC molecules, so that it won't attack us. You know, only 1% of the T cells graduate and go on to do their work. The rest are destroyed in the thymus. Talk about intense job performance pressure. These T cells now, what, look at your diagram, they're divided into three categories. There's helper cells, killer cells, and suppressor cells. The helper cells that are the first to detect antigens, which are on these 
macrophages, the stolen codes, when they recognize those, the bad guys, they're like the English police because they carry no weapons. They have a whistle or a chemical message that they send urgent messages to a squadron of allies of theirs called the killer T-cells. The message is, multiply fast, get out here, we're having a problem. And a very important note here that I think helps to understand a little bit is the helpers are the ones that the AIDS virus inhabits or singles out. And once you've knocked out the helper cells, there's no one to call the rest of the immune system to come into battle. I mean, our immune system would be virtually rendered helpless. However, do you know how they know you've been exposed to the AIDS virus? They look in your body and they see antibodies to that virus, which means that your body is defending you. There are thousands of things that could be in the body at any time that are just as harmful, that if your body wasn't defending you, they would be lethal. The problem comes when your body is too weak to win the battle. And then when you lose all your helper T cells, then you are in trouble. But the answer is simple. Strengthen the immune system and allow the antibodies to win the battle with the virus. And you know, just because doctors don't see that happening every day does not mean it can't happen. It just means most people's immune systems are off fighting Big Macs, fries, and medium shakes, and they don't have enough energy to win the battle. Well, the second set of T cells are the killer cells. Killer cells are lethal. They trigger a chemical process that destroys the infected cell before viruses have a chance to multiply, or they can puncture the membrane of a bacteria and, a bacteria and allow it to die. The killer cells use a potion, which is made of hydrogen peroxide, to do that killing. Well, let me tell you, helper cells also have another job. They rush to the spleen and the lymph nodes where they alert the last regiment of the immune system, which is the B cells. B cells, again, born in the bone marrow. Mostly they live their lives concentrating in the lymph nodes. They're bean-shaped capsules, and they're scattered throughout the intricate branches of the lymph system. Our lymph nodes are small munition factories that are staffed by B cells. They produce chemical warfare in the form of antibodies. Where killers kill directly by injecting hydrogen peroxide, B cells kill indirectly by creating antibodies. These are Y-shaped proteins that literally do attack antigens because we, there is a, a concept of them all getting together and going out and doing battle. Where, where bacteria and virus can attack, our immune system can by sticking to the surface of unwanted antigens and infected cells, they surround them, slowing them down and making them easy targets for destruction, as well as they make them more attractive for the phagocytes that come and, and eat them. However, um, antibodies can also kill. By locking onto an antigen, which they precisely mirror, they link right onto it, they begin to collect substances in the bloodstream that they call complement. These substances pulled together in the right sequence can detonate like a bomb, destroying the invader by blasting through the cell membrane. 
You know, at the peak of operation, each one of our B cells can churn out thousands and thousands of specialized antibodies for a specific antigen per second. It's amazing. And this battle will rage on until all the antigens are under control in a properly functioning immune system. Then, when the battle's over, the third member of the T cell family takes over. These are called the suppressor T cells or the peacemakers. The suppressor cells release chemical substances that turn off the B cells. They order the killers to go home, and they even command the helper cells to lighten up and stop raising the alarm. Now the threat is over, but it's not forgotten. Most of the T cells or B cells that are recruited for battle die off within a few days. But before the battle, where there were only a few cells that would recognize a particular antigen, the next time our body is ready for that antigen, we have on guard a small army. And should this particular one show up again, it's history. That's what acquired immunity is. And, you know, the reason I teach this basic class is not for everyone to memorize all the names. I just want people to realize that there is a plan of protection, and it could work for you. Our immune system is absolutely incredible. What a system of defense we have. It has the ability to eat, destroy, or render harmless any threat to the body. Doesn't it make more sense to support this system and get it working than to try to do battle with poisons on a cellular level? The number one threat to our health is the food that isn't food that we put into our bodies. This partially digested garbage gets into our system and the immune system is mobilized every time the average American eats to fight battle with what we call food. No wonder our immunity is shot. No wonder it's not available to us to do what it was intended to do. And here's something that comes up. The next issue as people that aren't educated about the Sunrider philosophy come up with. They, when they're ill, may think, well, all I need is the food for immunity. Well, I'd like to quote an article from Sharon Farnsworth that was published in her Imbalance book. It was entitled Maximum Immunity. It says, quote, the immune system remains the most mysterious and misunderstood of all body functions. Maximum immunity could be pictured as a strong chain comprised of many gleaming links. We are familiar with many of the links in this immunity chain. For example, the digestive system is crucial to immunity, for it processes our food and distributes nutrients to the bloodstream. The health of the circulatory system affects immunity. If the body's life stream is sluggish and not delivering nutrients to the cells or removing toxins quickly enough, immunity is compromised. The endocrine system, which includes glands like the thymus, the adrenal, and the lymph, are known to serve vital roles in immunity. Each of these glands produce their individual hormones, which each serve to maintain the chain of health. But when any of these links in the immune system become compromised, the entire chain is weakened. When one system or organ is overworked, others try to take up the slack. When imbalances in the body become severe, other hormones attempt to regulate, but there comes a time when those weak links, the overworked organs, and hormonal imbalances begin to show up on the outside as symptoms. 
it's at this point that we often turn from focusing on the strength of the body to focus instead on something external to blame our condition on. We tend to view disease as an ominous external force ready to strike us, the innocent victims, at any moment. Thus, the focus of modern science has always been searching for whatever germ is causing the condition of illness. We become so tied up in looking for and treating germs, of which we humans have no shortage, that we often miss the health forest for the single tree. The simple fact is this. No germ or virus causes anything. The germ or allergen in question would not have taken hold and caused whatever condition we suffer from if the immune system wouldn't have been compromised in the first place. We focus all our efforts on fighting an ever-increasing number of germs while the genuine focus point is virtually ignored, strengthening the immune system. Whenever the body is weakened, we treat the symptoms of that weakness, at times with medication that wreaks further damage on an already compromised immune response. Is this the best approach? You see, it's got to be all the systems fed on a continuous basis. When a body is not properly nourished, there's only so much energy to go around. Most people exist at barely one half their energy potential, and the body has to pick and choose. And the activity of repairing, protecting, is so often perpetually left with no resources. You see, disease is an energy crisis brought on by our bad choice of foods. Now, I'm going to try to, with our second diagram, kind of uh, put disease into a category along with the Chinese concept. So look at diagram two, and, and in the middle is our immune system. Well. Basically, the Chinese say this system goes out of balance. It's either too yin, too weak, which means our helper cells and our antibodies are not strong enough to fight, or it's too yang, which means it's over, overkill and our suppressing cells are weak and there's not enough control. So let's go around the chart. Now, in the very first, it, it says outside on the top and inside, which is basically what the battle is, us against them. So we're going to take things coming in from the outside, and it can be bacteria or virus or, or, you know, pollen or any type of thing, anything coming in from the outside. So let's go to the yin side, two yin, and we're going to say something coming in from the outside, a virus, bacteria. When the system is two yin and the, and the body allows those to take hold and, and start proliferating, what we call those are infections. The body can't fight back, and they can be bacterial infections or viral infections. You know, the body isn't handling it. And let's go down to the bottom. When our own cells, which are, are in our body, are weak, or sometimes we have a cell that isn't formed properly, or it's getting too toxic, or something happens, and our own body, our own immune system is not strong enough to handle that and take care of it, what we end up with is a cancer or a tumor. Our body is not handling our own cells, and our own cells become the problem. Okay, next, let's go to two yang, things coming in from the outside. And now we're talking about pollen or dog dander, and they come into the body, and they're not dangerous to the body, but our body overreacts to them. This is a two yang response. And this is what we call allergies. Our body is producing too much histamine in response to this. What we have learned to do is take antihistamine 
but it really is a body that's just too aggressive and the suppression or the, the, the other side is not controlling it. And then, you know, the, the bottom, which is our own cells, when we have too yang or too strong of a response against our own cells, these are what are called now the autoimmune diseases. Um, this is where our immune system is attacking our own body. And there's two theories on this, and, and the first one is that as the cells are coming out of the thymus, they are not coded properly, that they don't understand or they haven't been given the information that would allow them to designate between our cells or, or antigens. The second one, and, and this is the one I kind of believe is more true, is that when our cells are formed, that MHC tag on our cells that is made of protein, I believe this, that, that it's not being formed properly. And the reason I believe this is because in my nutritional studies, I have discovered and heard over and over again that only 2% of Americans can even digest protein properly. My own belief is that it's because we are eating too much meat, our bodies are having such a stressful time trying to digest that, that it is losing its ability to handle and digest plant protein properly. And so the MHC is not coded right, and the immune system is attacking a cell that it looks like it is not a, one of our own cells. Well, you know, there's 200 different types of cells in our body. So you can imagine if any type of cell started miscoding itself, we would have over 200 different types of diseases, which would be the autoimmune. Some of those are like rheumatoid arthritis is where the joints, between the joints, the ligaments, the immune system is attacking our connecting tissue. Rheumatic fever, which is really scary. I mean, I always remember hearing that when I was younger, rheumatic fever, and, and that was, a, you know, one of those critical ones. It literally, our immune system is attacking our own heart. Lupus is, um, it involves the kidneys and the skin cells. And, and, you know, now with the autoimmune diseases, I've heard that now they, they don't even try to identify them or break them apart. They call them the lupus-like diseases because lupus is one of the most common um, autoimmune diseases. MS, the, literally the immune system is attacking the myelin sheathing on the spine. And depending on where it's attacking, you will have your different set of symptoms. Um, you know, these basically, if you look at this, it, it really kind of brings down to one simple concept. You know, feed the immunity feed the immune system, feed the body, get, you know, get the garbage out, bring it all back to balance and let the immune system do its job. You know, the combination of herbal foods that Sunrider produces to address the strengthening of our defense system is called Alpha-20C. It's an incredible formula used by the body to improve and enhance our natural resistance to disease. We personally eat it at least three times a day in our regular meal because it's one-fifth of the quinary formula. But it also comes in capsules. It comes in, in a box with a 10-pack, and it's a powder form. And then it comes in the huge size, the large bulk size. Our family's favorite drink, and I love this because I feel like I'm supporting my immune system so well, is we take one vial or a big squirt of Vitafruit, a vial of evergreen, 
and a packet of Alpha 20C, and we mix it in a cup of water. And not only is it absolutely delicious, and it gives you such a pick-me-up, but I really feel like it is a powerful defense system booth. So many times people get hold of pieces of information or parts of the puzzle, and what they're looking at seems like an answer, but you cannot take it out of context. That's where all the quick fixes come from and the treatments for things. Looking at the body in pieces instead of whole. The Chinese had the correct vision and the understanding of wholeness. I'd like to quote once again from Sharon Farnsworth's Maximum Immunity article. It says, We can fully appreciate the miracle of immunity only when we step back and look at the body as a whole organism. The immune system demonstrates better than any other body system the majestic, holistic nature of the human body. Immunity is a vast system of interconnected body systems working in precise harmony. Virtually every organ and system in the body contributes to body immunity. You know, even from the first tape I did, which was on the bowel, and the second one that I did on live enzymes in foods, I can show you some connections. Let's talk about how important the colon is in immunity. The friendly flora or the good bacteria in the intestines are a major part of the immune system. Many harmful bacteria, drugs, or other toxic compounds are converted into non-toxic substances in the intestines. Healthful bacteria also can protect us by emitting substances that kill harmful bacteria. And these functions of keeping down the antigens in the body help keep the workload of the immune system manageable. So a healthy colon is absolutely essential to a healthy immune system. Sunrider products that support the intestines could be Vitalite bars, Cali, Assimilate, Vitadophilus. Likewise, eating foods that are not whole and live with the enzymes intact will really create problems with the colon being able to keep that healthy bacteria in the majority. When foods don't completely get broken down and digested into their proper complexes because of the lack of enzymes, they can be small enough to enter into the bloodstream, but not in the form that is recognized or utilized by the body. And this will cause a response by the immune system, which overworks it. And then these partially digested wastes get lodged in the intestinal walls and begin to ferment and putrefy, creating a place for unhealthy life forms to take hold and start proliferating. Sunrider foods have such high concentrations of enzymes that there really isn't a problem with digestion. And because we're eating a lower amount of these concentrated nutrients, we, if we consume the foods on a regular basis, then it gives that colon such a needed rest and a chance to start cleansing itself. You know, even our glands perform such an array of functions from regulating the body to helping clean house when the need arises. And remember, our thymus is a gland. Wouldn't it be important for you to feed this system? A wonderful food formula that we have in Sunrider called Prime Again is, is created to support this system. And then, so we don't have a continuous dust and bacteria entering our body every time we breathe, we have an incredible amount of lymphocytes and phagocytes in our lungs. But heavy pollution or smoking can overcome them, and then the lung tissue can get infected. So we have foods in our program for that, maybe Conco or Sunny Fresh to help support that system. 
and on and on. The whole health program is essential to good, to good health. Each link of our immune system chain needs to be strong and bright. And by committing ourselves to the entire SunPAC program, we will provide our, ourselves with maximum immunity for life. You know, I love Glenda Filan's response when someone comes up and asks, if I only have so much money, what should I leave out? And she would always say, you're going to have to decide by yourself which part of your body you don't want to nourish. I personally think everything is important. And you know, I'm also personally committed to teaching complete nutritional support. I don't think there's anything that can make such a difference in our health as eating the Sunrider Foods as a complete program. You know, and at last, I'd like to use an analogy that, that I like to use when talking to people about Sunrider, and I call it the campfire analogy. If you have a small campfire and a bucket of water and you want to put out the fire, is the bucket of water the right answer? Of course. Well, if you have a house fire, is water the right answer? Of course. But is the bucket enough? No. And how about if you have a forest fire going on? So think about the imbalances in the body as a campfire. And eating your Sunrider foods a minimum of three times a day, as we, we direct, you know, the whole program, that is your bucket of water. Is Sunrider the right answer to correct those small imbalances? Always. But what if your house is on fire or if your body's already beyond a small imbalance? Is Sunrider still the answer? Yes, but you need more to get the fire out or to bring the body back to balance. And what about a forest fire? Sunrider foods still are the answer to restore balance, but it's going to be a big job. And the last thing you want to do is be totally aware that you're not on the other side of the fire throwing gasoline on. See, a lot of times in Sunrider, we're faced with people who have been told they're critical or they're in their last stages of disease. And a lot of times, first off, I see people deciding for these people that it's too late to even approach them. And, and I don't believe that's right. But a lot of times I see people get these type of people started without explaining that they're going in to do battle with a forest fire and the bucket of water isn't enough. They also sometimes don't explain that they need to stop throwing fuel on the fire by not putting poisons in and making a major change in their life. You know, in every case that I've seen where people that were very, very ill recovered with using the Sunrider products, it's because that person mentally, emotionally, intelligently followed the laws of nature and committed fully to these correct principles. And I really think that's what our job as Sunriders should be learning, practicing, sharing, and teaching to the best of our ability these correct principles of health using Sunrider products to promote them.